Welcome everyone to this episode of Manufacturing Talk Radio. I'm Tim Grady and I'm here with Lou Weiss, who hosts the show with us. He's also the sponsor of Manufacturing Talk Radio through his company, All Metals and Forge Group. You can find them at steelforge.com for all of your industrial forgings and custom forging needs. Joining us today is Scott Stachew, who is with Roundtable Learning. He is the director of learning, creative learning there. We're excited to talk to Scott because he's going to talk to us about uses of virtual reality in our favorite industry sector, manufacturing. Scott, thanks for joining us. It is my pleasure, Tim. So give us an idea as, uh, as if we're complete neophytes, and I'm, I'll be a complete neophyte. Never heard of virtual reality. What is it? How do we use it in manufacturing? Well, what's the easiest way to describe virtual reality is probably to say that you can place any, anybody into a virtual scenario using a headset uh, similar to the one I'm holding right here. So a VR headset goes on your head and covers your eyes and gives your eyes a view into whatever virtual environment you wanna build for the learner. And we provide, in addition to just the view, the ability to use controllers, haptic devices like special gloves and sensors on the headset that allow the learner to physically move within that environment, which is huge, right? Because it provides not only something you can see, but something you can virtually touch, manipulate and move around and work with. So in, in the aspects of how this works with manufacturing, I mean, the applications are almost limitless. It could be used for everything from managerial and soft skills training to actual application of technical skills training and even knowledge transfer out there on the floor. So there's a, there's a multitude of ways and, and hopefully we can touch on most, if not all of them in this episode. Uh, I'd, I'd like to share a quick story before we go deeper dive with uh, your story. Uh, Tim and I had gone to a, uh, a conference, business conference, and uh, they had a virtual rat reality uh, thing. It was like stepping into a Star Trek. Do you remember, Tim? Yep. And we were walking around inside of a tube looking for flaws in the manufacturer. And as you stated, we were wearing the goggles. Um, I didn't get sick. I didn't throw up uh, like some of the space off astronauts are probably doing today. Um, but that being said, it was the most incredible event that I could ever recall. So I just wanted to share that. So why don't you tell us a little bit more about how that all works and how that's going to benefit us all. Yeah, you know, I think the benefit, let's let's start with the learning benefits of it. Um, you know, as a learning and design solutions organization that we are, we're looking at modalities that help learners retain knowledge and prepare themselves for working in the field faster, getting up to becoming proficient quicker in their field of study. Traditionally, you would probably get the most bang for your buck by doing an apprenticeship and becoming a journeyman and working with your hands and doing what you need to do to learn it. And to me, hands down, the only way, the best way to learn something is to actually do it. There are fundamental trainings that we can apply through script, through uh, reading, through video clips, but to, to really make it stick, you need that hands-on training. Where virtual reality comes into play is kind of 
bridging that gap of that fundamental training and the training they do actually out on the job without causing any disruption to the job, without causing disruption to your manufacturing line, without putting somebody in a danger of hurting themselves. So with virtual reality, we can create these true to life simulations and situations that allow a learner to practice those fundamentals, get some of that repetition in, fail at doing something because we learn by failure, right? But when we do fail in virtual reality, we're not gonna break a, a press. We're not gonna destroy a CNC machine. We're not gonna destroy a product that we're building for our customers. But what we're doing in virtual reality helps us build the knowledge that we're prepared to then go out on the floor and be ready to do our jobs. You know, some of the other things that are really important to how virtual reality is being used in a learning case is also to bring seasoned professionals in and put them in a VR situation for the purpose of learning about how they do their job. So we may have a set way, a set skill set that we have that we're trying to teach our incoming onboarding employees. And we know, or we think we know that what we're teaching is the best way to teach it. But we bring someone that's been out on the floor for 20 years, put them in the VR headset and have them go through it and give us some exact feedback. And you know what, when I do this, I do it a little bit differently. And here's how I do it. And in VR, you can record metric data that goes way beyond simply chalking off a, a box in a piece of paper that says I completed it. Here you can measure physical movement in the VR space. If it's a welding, let's say you're welding, you can measure exactly throughout the entire weld, how fast they're moving, how um, deep they're penetrating the weld, what they're doing in that space, and then recording that data so that somebody that's brand new to it, let's say we put a, a seasoned professional through that, somebody that's brand new can then have a virtual overlay of what that seasoned person just did. And I can then follow along with what they did. And it's a way of transferring that knowledge um, that is more direct to how I learn. It's not just writing down how I do it. I can write down how I do that weld, but it's much better if I can actually show you. And more importantly, if I can mimic what you did. That's unbelievable. That's un unbelievable. So this is the, the ultimate of tribal intelligent transfer. It really does reach that level. Yes. I mean, you know, if you could, Leo, you probably have a lot of knowledge that you'd like to share with, with people coming into your organization. If you could be around for another hundred years, I'm sure you would love to share that knowledge with everybody that comes through that door. That's not possible. Uh, the next best thing would probably be for you to videotape what you do. Uh, that's great to have that video recording of what you do. But again, if you can physically record what you do and save that recording to let somebody new actually try practice and you know, you can create a benchmark now based off of that knowledge. Right. And now that new person has to reach that benchmark within the virtual simulation before they get to go out on the floor and start trying it for themselves. So Scott, let me ask you this. You mentioned uh, the headset. Hmm. You mentioned the controller. Uh, Pre-show, did you mention gloves? I did. So yeah, you know, one of the, the greatest things about this technology is how it is evolving so quickly. There are people who are a little bit scared, I guess, to dive into it because like, hey, headsets are changing and, and devices are changing. But to me, this is the time to get into it because of all those great changes that are happening. The basic fundamental training doesn't have to change based on the gear. However, the gear just enhances the training you've made. So what I mean by that is, let's say you do have, um, let's go back to the welding example. 
or let's go CNC machine. You have a CNC machine you want someone to train on. You can't purchase an extra machine to have them train on. You can't shut down the machine that you're working on out on the floor. So you create a virtual machine and they can use controllers to manipulate that machine. Now, all of the training you're developing to make them manipulate that CNC machine doesn't change in the VR space. But as the headsets change, maybe they become a little bit clearer in the way the optics are designed. Maybe they have a wider field of view. One of the cooler things that are coming out now are that you know, with a controller, I can kind of use buttons to grab and pick up objects and manipulate the machine. But now there are haptic gloves that you can put on that have sensors in the fingertips and the palm. They have motors and wires that go through the fingers so that they actually stop your fingers at a certain force when you grab an object. So you can grab and work with objects in the virtual space without using a controller. There one's uh, occupation that scares the hell out of me with regards to this technology is that a surgeon can perform a critical heart organ surgery from a thousand miles away uh, and perform it perfectly. And I've seen them on TV. I think we've all probably seen them. That's amazing. You know, and actually, so this, 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 uh, boy, it's a whole other topic, but it's a great that you're bringing it up is that you can also use this technology for something very similar in the way that you can do remote training and remote learning. Um, we haven't even started talking about how this helps with performance support, but on the training side, yeah, to your point, Lou, pretend you've got somebody out in, in Pittsburgh working in a steel mill and somebody else is in Cleveland. They all both work for the same company and you want to train them together. You can't spend money to fly them or drive them over and, and have, you know, but put them in VR and have them meet each other in the VR space. Then you can have an instructor out in California that puts on their headset and walks both of them through everything they want to train them on. So it does create this awesome ability for remote training and remote learning for sure. I'm fascinated Scott, by the gloves because I was going to ask myself if I'm working in the virtual reality space, you know, can I just kind of crush the can and you know, but the fact that, it, that it's got sensors in it and I actually feel resistance, what a great way to learn. And, you know, the gloves are the things that are, you know, the up and coming, and there are different variations on the low end. You have the ones that they only stop the finger, the index finger and the thumb. Then you get some that stop all five fingers. There is a company that actually makes a glove that has teeny tiny little air uh, pockets in all the fingertips. And you can feel the difference between fur and leather as you rub <laughs> your hand across it. It's insane. <laughs> God. That's absolutely incredible. So let me ask you a question. Is this for your mainstream uh, ma and pa shop of 15 to 20, 30 employees? Can, well, they, can they afford it? Yeah, here, the, here, are the, here are the different ways that virtual reality is, is created. The, the very basic way of doing virtual reality is using 360 video. And you know, to me, anything that's a virtual reality is again, a virtual environment, something different than what I'm able to see right now with my own eyes. So at the very entry level, a 360 video is a great way and an entry level way to provide some type of visual training. Um, maybe it's just about walking them through the steps of how to start a CNC machine. And you can do a, a 360 camera, you can buy a, a very inexpensive one for 500 bucks. You could spend $10,000 on, on a camera. 
um, much like any other video camera. But once you've created the VR content, that video content, you can place it inside of a headset and you can let learners go through these steps and at least visually um, watch the steps. You can do some very basic interactivity as far as clicking on buttons with a laser pointer, et cetera. So, you know, for a small shop, um, yes, absolutely. You, you, you might be looking at a full investment. If you were to have somebody like our company come in and do it for you, including video production and creating, uh, you know, it could be as simple as $8,000 to develop a whole course. Uh, if you're getting actors and higher end cameras, et cetera, you could spend 50 to $100,000 on a 360 video project. So, so, so you brought up an uh, interesting point, and that is that uh, uh, placing this new technology into your manufacturing place, can this operate autonomously in a 24-hour blackout environment? Well, 24-hour blackout meaning absolutely no, no, uh, no power environment or just 24-hour you can't shut down the line environment? So that the line will continue to, to move forward and you got little robot guys running around and bringing you raw material. And, you know, so the next morning, you know, all the shoes have been made, you know. <laughs> well, as far as developing the content, you know, you gotta have, there, there has to be some work involved as far as the SMEs understanding what the learning objectives are and, and creating the content. But once it's created, the way it is created is autonomous and it doesn't require any additional input. Uh, you know, we provide a lot of behavioral feedback within the training that we develop. We create things that are intuitive for a learner so that you technically don't have to have an instructor involved with any of this training. The headset is there as long as it's powered up and they can put it on, it walks them through the training they need to do. Now, the other side of this is that we create training that does have a lot of detailed metrics based on those learning objectives. We wanna make sure that what we're training is effective, but we wanna make sure that the learner has something to take away from the training they are doing. So if it is a set of procedures, a set of steps, it's not just about the steps I do, it is paying attention to maybe how the machine is functioning during those steps, paying attention to, to product as it's coming out of the machine to make sure that if there is um, a mistake that I've made, I understand what that mistake looks like and how do I correct it. So right. these complexities are built into it. But when I'm done taking the VR training, we also provide a platform that collects all of the data from the, the training and reports on it creates really nice generated reports so that my superiors, my instructors, my plant manager, if they needed, can go in, log in and say, all right, Scott went through and it looks like he got almost all the steps perfect. There are two that he continues to have trouble with. So now I can go to, to that person and give them more specific one-on-one -on -one time for the areas that they're really having trouble on. But for the most part, the training itself can be completely autonomous, does not require um, a, a handholding to get through the training, but offers the ability for an instructor to give that one-on-one -on -one, um, additional training after it's completed. What's interesting is the uh, spaceship that went up two days ago, Inspiration4, which I didn't realize until after the evening was over that they launched, that the aircraft is completely autonomous, except for if there are a couple of emergency type situations where it can be taken over by two of the uh, astronauts. Uh, they spent, what, $200 million and it can fly and so why even send people up? <laughs> 
Scott, I've got a couple of questions for you on the headset. Uh, and one is, you know, does it have audio? And I know there's a, a simple cardboard headset you can use with a, like an iPhone. And the other is, there's another aspect of this, which to me is very attractive. And that is the stupid aspect. And by that, I mean, I don't like to do something and feel stupid. Nobody does. But if I can do it virtually before I get on the real machine where I destroy 1,500 China plates, and I learn before I actually apply, that to me would be very attractive to a manufacturer and to the new employee. So they're not intimidated by this environment they're going into. Mm -hmm. Yeah, okay, well, let's start with the cardboard headsets. Yes, the cardboard headsets are available. You, um, If you're not familiar with this, it's, it's it literally is a piece of cardboard, a cardboard box that has two very simple lenses in it. You place your cell phone into the cardboard box, the cell phone becomes a device that displays the VR content and the box lets you look into your phone and look around the room. Uh, the downside being, the upside being it's, it's inexpensive to get out there, it's scalable. The downside being, of course, you have very cheap optics. These are $7 headsets. Uh, it's good for 360 video and it's good to at least get um, some very basic scalable training out there that's in VR. For true effective VR training, you would have to invest in a headset, which is going to run you around $800 to $1,000 per headset. Um, but yeah, the, the cost, the ROI comes into play in multiple ways. And number one, like you just mentioned, this comfort factor, being secure in what you are doing and feeling confident in what you're doing before you go out there and do it. There is the safety factor, um, you know, think about what you're gonna pay in a workman's comp if somebody hurts themselves because they weren't properly trained on how to work a certain machine. Um, and of course the time that a line may be down. I mean, every second counts, we all know that. So if something happens and someone's not prepared to handle that emergency or just not prepared to be efficient at their job, that's gonna hurt the bottom line as well. So all of those things combined can really uh, make up for that cost of that simple headset. The, what you just mentioned, though, is, is, is interesting because we have um, a product that we just put out for a client, and it's all about understanding the safety of dyes and changing out dyes. And these are large dyes, and they have very, very sharp edges. And there's specific areas you have to grab it. But more importantly, when you're tightening this die into place, your bolt pattern and how much pressure you're putting into the bolts, the torque value for each of the bolts are very important. And it can definitely affect what's coming out of it. And traditionally, this company would have you go in and you would be an apprentice and you would watch somebody. Um, you would get to practice every now and then, but it wasn't until it was your turn to actually be on the line that you were in there. And sure, that can be nerve wracking and things are going to happen. So allowing that learner to go into a room by themselves, an eight foot by eight foot room, put on a VR headset. No one's there to judge them, but they're given this um, virtual instructor in the headset. There are um, microphones or I'm sorry, speakers in the headset. You could also put on headphones if you wanted to, to make it even more personalized, but that instructor is walking them through the entire process. And as they're torquing a, a bolt down, or if there's a bolt that's up too high still, it's giving them that feedback immediately so they can correct their mistakes and work through it. So yeah, now when they go out there, it's still a good idea to have, at least for the very first time they run through it, have them have somebody to, to watch them and a seasoned professional to go through that with them the first time. But you're not going to spend an eight hour shift anymore making sure they're doing the job right because they're going to be prepared to do it right from the start. What is, what is, uh, is in, in a round number, 
What does a system like this cost a manufacturer? Um, well, let's talk uh, about what kind of basis. Yeah, and, and if you're looking at again a company like ours to develop it for you, there's because there's two different ways of going with this. Us developing it for you would be three parts. You have the instructional design portion. What are we teaching? What are we training? How should we train it? So we have. Uh, professional designers in-house that can take your information, talk to your SMEs and build, build out what the content looks like. So that's the first cost. The second cost is creating the assets. So if this is going to be a full VR environment, um, are we developing the entire warehouse? Are we developing a one mile long piece of machinery with 13 different pieces? Um, or are we just developing the control panel and we just want to worry about maybe one robotic arm moving? So depending on the complexity of those assets and the 3D modeling, that's one cost. And the third cost is the programming, developing the application, taking those steps in the flowchart, taking the assets, and then writing the code to make it something that's actionable in a VR headset. So as a round number, I have again, seen very simple projects come in in that 30 to $40,000 range. And we've had other projects that cost upwards of $200,000. Um, but most, it, the cost is not necessarily reflective of how effective that training is. It's more yeah. about how robust and how many steps are involved in it. And the, RO, the ROI on, on taking an investment of $50,000, looking at the low end, uh, that's got to be a fairly quick turnaround. Oh, extremely fast. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, you know, we've had, um, trying to think of one in particular, there's a company that does uh, it's a pallet stacking portion of their machinery. Um, it's bottling and uh, distribution. And they had already done some research and found out that for every minute that a line is stopped or down, they're losing close to $100,000 in product throughout that day. <laughs> so you can, I mean, so that's one minute. I mean, one minute goes fast. So if you can prepare people that they're ready not to stop that, you can make up that cost immediately on the first day. Yeah, um, if those 60 seconds I hear is uh, what makes up a minute, you know. <laughs> <laughs> That's a lot of money per second. It is, it is. When those things move, they move fast. So while, while we, we got you at the money portion of our discussion, how about giving us your uh, URL and means of people contacting you? Yeah, I mean, the easiest one is roundtablelearning.com. And there we have not only uh, our immediate contact information, but if you're curious about what these even look like and, and seeing some demos about what we've created, go to that site, roundtablelearning.com and take a look at our demos, uh, reach out to our, our you know, Aubrey controls that site. Um, my email is my first initial and last name at roundtablelearning.com. So you can reach out to me directly as well. Uh, but that's probably the best way to, to get a hold of us. Uh, we, <laughs> the best way to spell your last name is uh, take a look at the show, uh, uh, <laughs> show sheet that we put up. Uh, the, uh, the, the going forward on this, uh, it, are you still growing and adding new functionality and so on? Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like I said, the way that the technology keeps advancing, we're looking at multiple ways to make sure that this continues to evolve to make it effective. You know, again, for from the status of VR being a training modality, it's not the only thing we do here. It's not the only way to learn and it's not the only way to teach. So we are constantly evolving what those best modalities are. 
And my job as the immersive learning director is to look at AR, to look at VR, to look at um, artificial intelligence. How can that play a role in this? So some of the things that we're currently working on developing and, and improving on are the fully immersive aspects as far as the gloves. Also looking at uh, voice recognition and, and artificial intelligence so that I can speak and get responses back from what I'm doing within the experience. And a lot of that actually relates more to getting guided, having a guide in the VR experience with me that is not a real person. And if I'm having trouble throughout this experience, I can talk to that person. Now we already do that, but right now it's a click and point and you have a list of help options, right? But we want it to be a little bit more seamless and more realistic. And this also could play a big role in the soft skills training that we're doing with management, um, handling situations within a workplace with our employees, allowing them to have these conversations freely and get responses back from a, a character that's been generated and animated, but also to provide this knowledge transfer. If I could create you, Lou, in virtual reality, uh, capture your voice and recreate a digital version of you, but then have AI control you in the future. So 100 years from now, you're still there talking, guiding learners through whatever process you have that knowledge to pass on. That's amazing. And uh, Tim and I, we've been together for a quarter of a century. And I, I have a favorite saying, which I have a feeling that you have no problem with this question that I'm going to throw on you. <laughs> if it can do this, can it do that? You have no problem with that, do you? Not at all. Not at all. <laughs> so, Scott, where does VR go in the future? Where do you see it being applied? Um, well, you know, we're talking about technical is the biggest one right now, you know, making sure you can get technical skills. The soft skills are huge. I think the bigger one is going to be with um, the human interaction factor is, is the real big one. You know, machines are going to start becoming a larger force in the manufacturing industry. We've already seen it now and it continues to grow. But that doesn't mean that human interaction isn't going to go away. You still need somebody to control these things. And the higher level of critical thinking that comes to play um, is going to be more important. So how do we use virtual reality to start training that critical thinking level? If I'm running a plant and I have multiple machines that are very digital and technical, even if I do have a workforce that's trained to do the basic functionality, what we need to look at is that second level, that management level of controlling this entire manufacturing process. And virtual reality, I think, is going to play a huge role in that portion of it. So it sounds like we could uh, put on a virtual reality headset, and if you're familiar with Back to the Future 2, uh, we might see Max Headroom as our instructor. But it, it appears to me that you could use anyone. You mentioned uh, actors or actresses being your instructor, and you actually do things like that. Yeah, not even actors or actresses. So, you know, another thing that's great about technology is that we have the ability to use an iPhone to capture your face and it uses IR cameras. So it, I, can, I can recreate true facial expressions, save them and recreate them into a digital character. And the digital characters look so lifelike now. So I can, I can build a digital representation of anybody um, and have it react and speak and its eyes move and its, its eyes blink and its irises change when the light hits it. I mean, it's, it's very realistic. So the ability to create all of these types of characters that are lifelike and react to us without needing to have an actor at all. 
you know, we, I guess we should also talk about this is that you know, we talk about this investment, this initial investment of let's say it's $100,000 to create the warehouse and the production line. And it was used to create maybe initial training of, of how to work um, one or two different stations. But that investment doesn't mean you have to start over for another 100,000 if you need to add something like maintenance and repair on that machine. Now you're talking about maybe $5,000 of some code changes and some more voiceover and maybe the animation gets changed a little bit. So the nice thing about virtual reality is that the investment you make can be stretched out. Um, the ROI comes back the more modules you build into it. But unlike traditional video recording or video training, you don't have to rehire actors. You don't have to shut down a production line. You don't have to do all of that stuff. It's all done virtually. So it's, it's a, it really is a good investment in the long term, even if you think that initial um, investment's a little bit high to start with. So if Tim and I wanted to do a show, just Tim and I, we do a show at the end of the year, the, the yearly wrap up, and it's only he and I. If we wanted to do that, you can create me, you can create him, and we can do that show. IR, VR, and so on. Yes, absolutely. Well, we'll we, could, we could record that show. You could just, just record your voice. I don't even need to see you. You just record the entire show with your voice and send them to me. I'll have our modeling department recreate NPC. They're called NPC characters, CGI characters of each of you, and we'll put the voice to it. It'll automatically animate your faces, your arms, and you're done. Tim, this yeah. is next week's project. <laughs> yeah. This is what happens at, uh, at the company. Uh, and Lou just said, well, if it can do this, can it do that? Well, we can just found out. It you just saw that. it in living motion. <laughs> oh, I'd love to do an intro for our show that's totally IR, VR, and so on. And, of course, we'll give you credit for it. <laughs> lots, I appreciate lots of credit for it yeah that's, absolutely that's that, this this is unbelievable so um and actually i just want to remind you because we did have a pre-conversation uh, prior to this uh, show about our magazine manufacturing outlook and uh, uh i just want to remind you about the article uh that we're going to do with you uh, for uh, our magazine. so, And I'm looking forward to getting that. We're, we're already in the middle of writing it, so I can't wait to share a little bit of the knowledge I've shared here. We'll expand a little bit on that knowledge and hopefully get everybody uh, at least prepared in understanding the basics of how VR can and, and should be used. Absolutely. And then there's going to be the picture, the two pictures of Tim and Lou, VR <laughs> version. <laughs> I love it. Scott, I would like to take that one step farther because we do a virtual magazine. It's digital. Uh, we can include video. Oh, good. So if there are some video elements you want to add to the article, we can embed those so that people can actually see and experience what you're talking about. Love to have that done. No, yeah, that's a great idea. And that's another good point because so many people, they're going to watch this. They're going to hear it and they'll say, okay, I've heard this before, but until you see it and try it, it, it really is hard to fully understand. When you guys knew, once you put the headset on, you walked through the tube or you saw the shipyard, right. I mean, seeing is believing. It's absolutely. Uh, what, did, what did they call that room in Star Trek when you walked in and you were either in Africa or? The holodeck. Uh, the what? The, the holodeck. holodeck. 
That's right. The holodeck. <laughs> the holodeck is here and now. That and honestly, that that's where I think it really is going to go eventually. If we can get holograms figured out, that would be. The, but this is until then. VR is what you got. It's it's just as good. <laughs> All right. Yeah, we'll have to wear a body suit so we can experience, uh, you know, a dinosaur running over us. <laughs> Scott, thanks for joining us. This has been terrific. Oh, it's been great. Yeah, thank you, Tim. Thank you. You, you have not heard the last of us. <laughs> well, good. <laughs> I do this every day if I could. I, I'm, I see why you enjoy it. Uh, we do, we do. And uh, we, we like getting the message out to our, our listeners and presenting to them all the stuff that's going on. It's just beyond belief. And if we have any luck, they may even be watching us up on Inspiration4. <laughs> yes. Well, Scott, thank you. I, I just want to remind our audience that we've been talking with Scott Stacey, he is the director of immersive learning. And if you were watching this in detail, you can see how immersed you could become. Lou and I are fascinated by it at Roundtable Learning. Scott, thanks for joining us. You're welcome. Thank you very much. And we encourage all of our listeners and viewers to go to jacketmediaco.com, which is our parent umbrella where we have all of our podcasts, including this show, and thank you for listening to this episode of Manufacturing Talk Radio. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.